your nuts. Welcome to episode 121 of Hungry in Kentucky. I'm Sarah from Bluegrass Bourbon and Eats. And today I'm joined in Port Louis Studios by Carrie. Winter can go die in a fire. <laughs> I am done. Maybe I will go jump in the fire. I was going to say earlier, she said she would jump in the fire. And I thought maybe just put on a coat first. Just to get to warm. Maybe I will jump in. But it can. Winter, I'm done. We've had, what, three, four days of this, this nonsense. I don't even know if it's been that long. And I'm, well, I'm with the snow. It got really cold. It's a Saturday. Saturday and cold. Sunday, it was super cold. And then Monday and today, it's there's snow on the ground. And I'm done. I'm done. It can go die in a fire. <laughs> right now yikes uh i'm not bothered by it uh i didn't even leave my house from sunday afternoon until 2 p.m today so I, I missed the brunt of it although it was still quite cold and i had to put on a lot of layers to go clean the snow off my car earlier but you know it was fine the roads are clear so it's I, yeah. and it was easy snow to drive on uh, if you're into that kind of thing, um, I'm just like, there are so many things that can go wrong when it gets this cold out and it snows, right? Yeah. I mean, I got every sink in the house dripping because, you know, it's drippy drip time. And, you know, more wrecks. You could even, you're just driving along, la, 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 mind your own business. And all of a sudden, man, you're spinning around because you hit a patch of ice and now you're into a freaking retaining wall. Mm, yes, that <laughs> definitely didn't happen to John. Well, no, it didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I cannot handle winter. And I have said this on other in other places to other people. The longer I am on this planet, the less... The less uh, me and winter are getting along. <laughs> I like winter. I don't like summer. Mm. That's a gross time to be here. It's so wet and muggy and hot. Uh, I love it. It's this morning when I went to go, well, before lunch when I went to clean the snow off my car, it was nine degrees and the wind chill was minus four. And that's fine with me. Because uh, when July pops around in August, it'll be. 90 degrees outside and that'll be like on a cool day and i'll be upset because i'll start instantly dripping sweat from every inch of my body and then i'll never be cold again and i'll just want to be miserable and you, no one will be around me you and i are weather opposites mm -hmm. totally weather opposites yeah pretty much um i could wear snow boots and like kind of like stomp around and be like oh, i got some boots on i finally get to wear them i don't even want to think about what the gas bill is going to be like at the end of this month uh i only have electric i'm not cool enough to have gas <laughs> boogie woogie woogie <laughs> um yeah the electric boogaloo at my house only yeah i just and then i think again i and maybe i've talked about this on here i don't care because i'm talking about it again I think that the one of the reasons that i dislike winter so much mm -hmm. is because the people on social media who are like, come on, snow. I want a huge snow. I want a huge blizzard. And I'm like, yeah, because you probably don't have to get in a car and go to work. You probably don't have to get in a car and go to a job where you can't call in. You actually have to show up for that job, yeah. right? Seriously. And it's like, you know, there are lots of people out there that are going to take their lives into their own hands trying to get to work at the hospital or some kind of healthcare profession 
Or I don't know, there's a lot of places that you just, you can't call off or don't close, right? And you have to get there regardless. Like even if you have to hire a sled dog team, you have to get there. There's just no excuse. Yeah. Um, but I will say for healthcare, they do say you have to come and you'll get in trouble if you don't. But they aren't just like, you're on your own getting here. Like if you don't feel like, if at least if you live in town. If you don't feel comfortable getting on the road, they'll send someone to get you. So they'll send someone from your place of employment. The sheriff's office will come pick you up. Like the police will come and escort you. That's like, that's a basic police thing that they do. And like for anyone in bad weather. So just a little tip for in case people didn't know that. Um, You can call the non-emergency line and you might have to wait a couple of hours, but they'll come get you. Um, So... And they let you stay over, like, at the hospital if you're there and the weather hits. You can sleep in an old, crusty hospital bed. <laughs> I guess they changed the sheets. I'm not really sure. I've not done it. Who died in that bed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's not, like, it's not great, but that's kind of, like, the thing you sign up for when you sign up to work for healthcare. Well, sure. I and, I mean, think, I think know. the people who are doctors and nurses and, and who work at the hospital, like, they understand that. I get that. Yeah. But for people to, I don't know. It's just for people who are out there celebrating. You're not thinking of the people <laughs> who act this actually really affects in a negative way. Yeah. Right? True. Yeah. But, yeah, you probably aren't thinking about that if you're just, like, working a normal office job or you work at a school or, right? you know, yeah. priorities. Sure. But uh, get you a, a partially work-from-home job like me, and then you don't really have to worry about it. Be like, oh, my God, yes. Same. They don't want me to come because of snowing. You know? They said for me not to come over. So oh, I, I I already texted the rest of this week. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that, that ain't happening. <laughs> no, I think I'm fine the rest of the week. I have I have things I have to do, so I got to go there. But you know, me and my SUV will make it there. No worries. No worries. Well, the bottom line is, the quicker this leaves, the, the happier I will be. That's all I'm saying. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if you're a yeah, if you're a healthcare worker and you're able, invest in a little SUV. Just the extra weight will really help with the snow. I mean, they're no more expensive than cars now, right? So or well. you know, a snowmobile, or I guess they call them snow machines in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a little hinky sled dog say. team. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh, <coughs> cross country skis. Those would be good. Or snowshoes. Yeah, snowshoes would be a good investment. Mm-hmm. Crampons, in case you have to climb yes. up a mountain yeah. to, to get. I could to see. I, I could just see a bunch of people like um, uh, cross country skiing down New Circle Road. Guys, <laughs> they got to get to the hospital. Oh, and they're going in. Uh, in t- well, not in tandem, but they're uh, in sync. And yeah, kind of like like their rowing crew. Yeah, but they're skiing. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Left, 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 left. That would only be appropriate, though, like for that shutdown snow, which we do. We have gotten on. We do get on occasion. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that would be a good invest. If I was a hospital worker, I would actually consider investing in cross country skis. Yes, and then give yourself several hours to get to work and back <laughs> home. I mean, they don't. They don't exactly move fast. I was um good workout. Yeah, that just made me think. This is not food related, but a YouTube channel I watch. One of their videos came on my, like, randomly on YouTube last night. And it was one from last year when they went to Wales. And you can do this thing where 
you rent a houseboat, but their houseboats are not like really motorized. They're real long and real skinny to go down all the canals, mm-hmm. and they have like um like a like a rudder mm-hmm. in the back that you use to steer them, and they do have a motor because they have to run, but they go one mile per hour. Mm. So you just kind of like turn it on and let it just like kind of putter along, and then you steer it with the rudder from the back, and you go underneath all these like different bridges and up and down locks to like move you up into other parts of the canal and then you can go over like aqueducts and stuff it, it was pretty cool but yeah that made me because they were moving so slow that like oh, someone yeah. walked by pushing their baby in a stroller and they <laughs> passed them and it was like we just got passed by a lady pushing a baby in a stroller <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> though be fun. Yeah. yeah i would love to do that it was pretty neat. You wouldn't uh, feel like you were in, in a hurry. And those those rivers and canals over there, they're not that big. Mm-hmm. Like, side to side. They're very, like, uh, or across. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, they're, they're not, not very wide. They're not wide. They're, they're almost, almost like reminds me of some, like, big creeks around here. Yeah. Kind of almost. Yeah, they're wide enough to where you can park your little houseboat on the side of them, but you could only park on, like, one side and give enough room for another to go by. Like, you couldn't park them. Like they're like two lane road. Yeah, you like, couldn't just you know, anchor down in the middle of the no, thing. Yeah, the side. Um, <laughs> they are like a two lane road. You're right. <laughs> they were saying that there's whenever you go under bridges, they have these tunnels, but there's like a big sidewalk to the side of each one of them, and they were like wondering why those were there, and the houseboat people told them it was because in like. The 16 and 1700s, when they first built those bridges over the canals, um, the boats were pulled by horses. Huh. <coughs> so they built that for the horses to walk on whenever they went under the bridges so they wouldn't be in the water. That makes sense. Yeah. So huh. they're still there after so many hundreds of huh. years, but it was pretty neat. That is neat. Yeah, I watched this uh, like this cruise ship show, Mighty Mighty Ship, Mighty Cruise Ships, um, on Travel, no, Smithsonian Channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this one they do they they show they show all different kinds of cruise ships, which is kind of cool. And they they really show how they operate more so as like I mean they show you the stuff to do on the cruise ships, and they do show some food stuffs, but it's really kind of like a whole operation and how the ship operates. Mm-hmm. And there's um, these Viking cruises that do those Viking river cruises like in Europe and stuff, which I yeah. think look really cool. Yeah. And uh, there's this one, and I don't remember they were they in Germany or somewhere. I don't know, but they're on some river. And the captain was like the guy that was you know driving the boat. He's he's like talking about the water levels and going under these bridges. And the water level has to be a certain height to go under some of these bridges, or else you're going to crash into the bridge. Mm-hmm. And he actually took a water bottle. Like his gauge was he took a water bottle and like put it out in the front where he could see it mm-hmm. from the bridge of the ship. And then like. As it was coming, if the water ball gets knocked over, then you know it's, it's too, too, it's too, too it's too, yeah, the water's <coughs> like, too yeah, up. too high up yeah. or whatever. So, kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I like those shows. Yeah, me too. Um, the same, and I think I've talked about this on here before too, but that same YouTube channel that had the canals, they also took a 14 or a 16 day cruise to the Arctic Circle mm-hmm. um, and actually got to go out and walk on the glaciers around the Arctic Circle and yeah. like, do a polar plunge and see whales. And stuff. I've priced those cruises They're just to see. Hella expensive. Holy shnikes. Isn't it like $30,000 oh, per God. person or something? It's more than that. Oh, wow. For like some of those Arctic cruises, like some of those really super exotic where you mm-hmm. can only go like, you know, 
a month out of the year or something yeah. like that or whatever. Um, no, you're talking higher than that. Like wow. it's it, they're insane. But you know if that's why you see a lot of old people doing it because <laughs> they have the retirement yeah. money. So anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a uh... we had some adventures. We had some food adventures. Yes, Carrie um, barely survived the cold long enough for us to get right. brunch on Saturday. I have to say, people, it was in the 20s, and instead of wearing a coat like a human, she showed up with three shirts on I had and a, a fingerless glove. Thick sweater. It was. It was my. <laughs> that's my winter. That's my. That's my sweater. If I don't want to wear a coat, I just put on. A t-shirt, I put on a flannel shirt, and then that's my thick sweater that goes over it. Thank you And then much. she was going, oh my God, it's so cold. It's because like, I hate the cold. I'm not that cold, but I have a parka on. Hate it. I don't care. And I was wearing my big coat on Sunday and a you hoodie. You did put your big coat and, on. And I was still cold, and I hated it. So, there. Well. Anyway. Yes. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we had brunch. The first brunch of 2024. Yeah, I it was, I guess. Yeah. Um, at a new restaurant that just opened a couple of months ago called Rise and Brine. Mm-hmm. Um, from the brought to you by the makers of East End Tap and Table. If you've been there in Lexington, as we have downtown across, that's downtown across from Carson's. It's, Rise and Brine. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Carson. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> um, she said until they finished the Carson's buyer house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, go home, go home, get out of here, go home. You need to go home. <laughs> there you go. Um, but Rise and Brian is on Romney Road next to Suggins. Um, yes, real hyper Lexington neighborhood talk. Um, but if you know anything about the outskirts of downtown Lexington in the a little bit of the richer part. Um, Chevy Chase. Yes. In the outskirts of Chevy Chase uh, on Romney Road. There's some hidden gems back there. I'd say this is one of them. It's where the Publix is going to be, isn't it? On Romney Road. They're putting a Publix around? Yeah. I knew they were putting one in, but I thought it was at Palomar. Mm-mm, in the old Kroger space. Oh. Interesting. They're going to build a parking garage that goes down in the ground. Hmm. As you know, there's no parking over there. No. Um, there sure isn't, but, um, huh, thought for sure that was going to Palomar. Maybe there's two. There may be two, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure a Publix is coming over into Romney Road. Interesting. Uh, only been to Publix in Florida, so I'm kind of intrigued for it to come to Kentucky, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's over there, across from the Wheeler's Pharmacy, the famous Wheeler's Pharmacy. Which, um, we need, that's a place we need to go eat at, which we haven't done. Do we they need still to. serve food there? I'm pretty sure this dude still do breakfast. I'll double check that because I have also never been there and I want to go. Yeah. Um, but we went to Rise and Brian. It's in the same little area. Um, <clears throat> it was good. It, they Their specialty is chicken biscuits. Um, you get a variety of a chicken biscuit. You can just get a chicken on a biscuit or you can get chicken and cheese on a biscuit. You can get a sandwich with an egg. I got the French toast one, which was... Against Carrie's ethos of not eating eggs on chicken. Yes, I do not eat unborn <laughs> birds on top of dead birds. I do. It's just, it's it's a personal preference. Mm, so good and uh, amazing. But I had that. It was it was fried chicken with an over medium egg. So I was rolling the dice with the egg. Turned out my favorite this time. But it was on a French toast... Uh, 
biscuit. So it was a biscuit that was dipped in the French toast batter and like griddled and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it was it had like syrup all over the top of it. It was really decadent for someone on a diet. But you know what? When you intermittent fast, you should, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it was really good. And normally when I go out to eat meals, and Carrie can attest to this, I eat half of it and then I'm like, I'm full. But I ate every single piece of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also got two hash browns, and they were the good old fashioned mm-hmm. like triangle hash browns. Yeah, they were good. They were, and they were nice and crispy and lightly oiled. It's very, very tasty. I ate every single little morsel, and it was delicious. So I'll go back. And their latte, they make lattes for you. The oat milk latte with the vanilla syrup was pretty heavenly. Not gonna lie. Nate's espresso is pretty good. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really good um, because I had the pimento cheese biscuit that was just chicken, uh, pimento cheese bacon, and it had tomato on it, which I appreciated because I always Mm -hmm. appreciate a vegetable on like a really rich sandwich like that. It was good, and I ate my I ate mine too, the whole thing, because it wasn't like it was a big biscuit, but it wasn't like like a giant biscuit. Yeah, it wasn't like a biscuit belly biscuit where like which I like, but that's like two meals for me like into why i have to split that up this was enough from eating the biscuit and then two hash browns that i didn't feel like just like right you know yeah like you're able to function yes like i was in i wasn't hungry afterwards or anything like that for but by any means but it just you didn't feel like oh god i wish i hadn't eaten all that or you didn't feel like you had to go home and immediately put on sweatpants right it didn't feel like that biscuit was laying you know yeah it wasn't a heavy yeah sometimes but it was really good and uh very popular a lot of people in there yeah and small i will say that it was tiny so if you're gonna go we went at 11 o'clock and there was plenty of people in there we got a seat because i mean it was it was turning over pretty quick yeah. they only had like they have four four, four or five tables four tables and then a little bar yeah. a community bar by yeah. the door by the door that so had like five or six yeah seats. so not not a huge place by any means in terms of seating but people are coming in there and getting stuff to go and yeah it strikes me as a neighborhood joint because mm-hmm. yeah. that's big neighborhood over there like mm-hmm. like romany road is just a little strip of like little restaurants and then it's only only houses and apartments so i think a lot of people like come yeah. and go like walking around just to eat and stuff um and i think matthew mitchell is involved in that too yes so he's a he and his wife jenna are co-owners or co-investors like investors i think with the same guys that um started east end tapping table so it's all local like super local to kentucky i think they use a lot of Ken- local kentucky ingredients from what i could read uh online about it but quality like i know a lot of chicken and biscuit places have popped up around here um like the biscuit belly the maple street biscuits there's a tupelo honey coming that's famous for that but i think out of all those like i really enjoyed like i mean i've been to all those places and they're fine they're good there's something wrong with them except tupelo honey just makes all of their stuff in pecan oil i just physically can't eat it without you know having some sort of allergic reaction but their waffles or their pancakes good i can eat that um but this i i don't know this felt like the easiest to eat Mm -hmm. like light and simple it's not super crazy or out of the box and it's not over the top right like i don't i like fancy foods i like unique and interesting like kind of off the wall things but for breakfast i kind of just want i don't want it to be it doesn't have to be like just simple simple but it doesn't have to be over the top 
just give me all the things I like and put them together. Mm-hmm. Smash them all together. Chop them up, put them in a bowl. I don't care. You I want elevated anymore. basic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. So, just like I like my horror sometimes. Horror. Horror. I said horror. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just like to tell people I said the other word. <laughs> okay, so Wheeler's is still serving uh, oh, food. good. They, uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Okay. So we could go there. We should have just walked across the street after the right after the biscuits. So let's see. Oh, they got burgers. They got cold sandwiches. Hmm. They got onion rings and Ooh, fries. Rings. They got chicken strips. They got chicken rings. Ooh, chicken rings. They got milkshakes. Ooh, chicken rings, milk, uh, a milkshake, and onion rings. They got many meals for smaller appetites. It's like one bacon. Or one egg with bake, two bacon or two, one sausage and toast. Okay. One pancake, fruit cup, half grilled cheese sandwich or chips, half grilled cheese sandwich. So, yeah, so on and so on. I appreciate um, that. Breakfast and lunch served all day, nine to three. Hmm. And then they have a breakfast uh, menu here that's kind of your eggs, omelet. They got a breakfast, like a sandwich? Ham, ham, country ham and biscuit. Ooh. Um, Western omelet, two eggs. That's That looks like the only... Um, oh, they do have a la carte breakfast, too, okay. that you could get. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so they are still open. Interesting. Or still serving food, anyway. Good to know. I thought I'd heard that maybe they weren't doing that anymore, but maybe I heard wrong. Maybe they stopped at something, maybe they stopped at something like in 2020 maybe. or somewhere around yeah. there, and then just started up again. I don't, I don't know. I but don't know. according to their website, they're still serving food. Okay. Cool. Um, but we also went somewhere else on Sunday that wasn't brunch. It was more of a... Brinner. Like, yeah, like a, a late, no, not a brinner, like late, a, lunch, l- yeah, late lunch, lunch, late lunch. Yeah, because it was like three thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it called, it's, Damian? I can't ever pronounce it. I can't either. But right. it's it's the new pizza place that took the place of Mellow Mushroom. Yeah, on campus. And I can't ever remember what it's called. But it's and I always spell it wrong. Damiano? Yeah, Damiano. D A M I A N O. Yeah, Damiano's Pizza and Pasta. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> it was good. It was good. I really, I, I rather enjoyed it. Um, I just had a couple of, I guess, we would consider those appetizers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was enough. Yeah. I had, I had the meatballs, which were three pretty big those meatballs. Giant balls. They, I think they were. Pro- I think I didn't look on the menu, but I think they were a combination of like beef and pork, mm-hmm. maybe some veal thrown in, but definitely beef and pork. Yeah. Sauce was delicious. Yeah, it was really good. And then I had the garlic knots, and I think I got. I get like six garlic knots or something like that. Yeah, it was a bunch. Something like that. Because I, I took a couple home. Yeah. And I really liked the dough. It was really good. And they just, they were nicely dressed because they were baked and then they had like a, just a coating of olive oil on them and then some fresh chopped up garlic mm-hmm. and then like a, a, again, sauce on the side that were really, I thought they were really good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't try the garlic knots, but I tried the uh, meatballs and they were really good. <clears throat> they weren't like sometimes when you make meatballs i think people tend to overcook them because they're like all skewed out because of like hamburger meat or whatever but these were like really good and really tender and amazing and i liked them um i had a calzone which i haven't had in ages and i got 
pepperoni and mushrooms in it, which is my favorite pizza combo. And it was really good. It kind of, it really reminded me of those Pazos uh, calzones. It was huge. And it was big like, and I ate it the next day for lunch and it was even better. Really? Because yeah, it, it was, up. it was absolutely, I will I say, say. It was even better. It was just as good. I, it was absolutely enough for two people. Mm-hmm. For sure, for enough for two people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the dough was like super good dough. I mean, authentic like Italian restaurant dough. It really did. Like, that's the closest that I've had of anything around there that compared to Pazzo's. I could see that. And that was like, like we didn't have their pizza. Which I would love to go back and try. I do want to go back and try the pizza and see if it's, because I'm sure it's the same crust and dough that they use for the calzone. But like, it was really good. I was really impressed with it. Um, It came on a big pizza peel. Um, Had plenty of uh, mozzarella and ricotta in it. Mm -hmm. I just love ricotta cheese. You don't want a dry calzone. No. Mm. And this one wasn't like, like they weren't using the mozzarella that will like, like leak out everywhere and i didn't feel like it was overstuffed either it didn't look like because you know you can get them they're just overstuffed and it's just too much filling it seemed like the ratio of dough to filling was pretty good oh yeah um it was really good i enjoyed it and yes i had it yesterday for lunch and it was fantastic yeah i would totally go back there and try their and try their pizza and maybe like even a sandwich because they had some sandwiches they had like a chicken parm and a meat now that i've had their meatballs i bet their meatball sub is really good oh yeah i'm sure um but yeah it wasn't super crowded no, uh, it was a sun, it was a Sunday afternoon, so I hope that was why it wasn't super crowded. Well, I think more people started showing up when we were leaving. A few, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I kind of, I hope it sticks around because honestly, it really was good. That was good. And I liked the, atmos- the, the atmosphere, and they had a pretty decent beer selection. Mm-hmm. And overall, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty nice, uh, nice place. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, hadn't been there since. I mean, I went there after college, I'm sure, but we used to go there a lot in college when it was Mellow Mushroom. Mushroom, yeah. Um, which I miss Mellow Mushroom so much. It just completely left Lexington altogether. Yep. Just sad. Um, but I think that this, oh, yeah. this, the, 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 see, I can't pronounce Damiana. it. Yeah. Or, I think this is a good, like, uh, good place that moved in there. Yeah. I don't know how to else to put it, but maybe not Mellow, maybe not, it's not Mellow Mushroom, but I think it's still, it's a good pizza yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my I miss Mellow Mushroom. They had some good pizza. That dough I was... I went there a couple of times. So I loved their dough. It's something about... I must be like... Now people say that like New York bagels are like they're that good because of the water. I think this was the same thing. You could, I feel like you could taste the water in the dough at Mellow Mushroom. And I know it's like a chain because right. the last time I went on vacation we went to the Mellow Mushroom and it was literally like three steps from the house we were staying in. Um, and it tastes the same, and it was delicious, and I loved it. But yeah, it's that day. But that place is good, and also uh, the men's basketball team likes it too because saw a picture of them eating there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so, they, see, they did eat there. Reed Shepherd likes it, so you should give it a try. That's exactly that right. should be their slogan. Right. Their slogan. <laughs> their their slogan. Their slogan. I like, I like slogan. We're I like that. Using it. Patent pending on that yeah, one. That's, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we only went to two places, but we'll definitely. We got obviously now we got wheeler, wheelers on our radar yeah. for for this year. So absolutely, yeah. So the year has just started, twenty twenty four, and uh, we need to know what we'll be eating, right? Yes. Besides the calzones, or what and, we should be exactly. So this is from Axios, and uh, this says pickles, halloumi, and camel milk. What we'll be eating in twenty twenty four? 
Get ready to eat more buckwheat, pickles, caramelized bananas. I'm out on that. Cinnamon sugar, dressed up ramen, grilled halloumi cheese, and Korean cuisine in 2024. And to wash it down with a tall, cool glass of camel milk. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, food prognosticators see two parallel tracks for 2024. Virtuous and indulgent. Hmm. People wearing the halos will be shunning ultra-processed foods and eating upcycled fare, which is made from food waste, and seeking products that have been farmed sustainably. Those of us reaching for a devil's trident will be munching on the innovative snack foods that satisfy younger consumers' appetites for novelty. Past the Reese's Caramel Big Cups, Nerds Gummy Clusters... And uh, Smart Food Marshmallow Hot Cocoa Flavored Popcorn. Hmm. I like Smart Foods Popcorn. Starting in 2024, more consumers will become aware of different levels of processing for media reports, regulations, and voluntary on-pack labels. uh, And on-pack labels. So you're going to, they're going to tell you more about what you're eating. Sure. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Pickles are the it ingredient again. I like a pickle. Evidence includes Clausen's pickle-flavored wine spritzer and Heinz's new pickle ketchup, which we've talked about. Yeah. Espresso martinis, a 90s throwback, are one of the fastest-growing menu items in the last 12 months. Oh, my God. Right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what kicked off my epic stomach hangover session oh. in Nashville. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it was good, but was it worth it the next day? I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Maybe I don't eat that with pasta. Whole grain is a huge thing right now. Okay. Yeah. At the same time, hedonistic foods are all the rage. We see cinnamon sugar popping up everywhere and caramelized anything. How is that hedonistic? I don't know. That's been around for my entire life. Predictions for hot foods and ingredients in 2024 include shawarma. I love it. Shaved ice. Okay, love it. Mustard seeds and spam. Which I, I like. I mean, I try it. Birria. Uh, yeah. Wagyu beef. Yeah. Stuffed vegetables. Okay. Stuffed with what? I get the only stuffed vegetable I can think of is a pepper. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff them with cheese and bacon and uh, cream cheese. Yeah. Okay. I'm into that. Hot honey breakfast sandwiches mm. and grilled cooked cheeses like halloumi. I don't hate any of those. I've been wanting to try halloumi. It's, it's good. good Have you never had it? I don't think so. It's really good because because it, it it's really weird because it does hold its shape and texture when you grill it, mm-hmm. and it kind of gives it a nut. When you grill it, it's like a nuttier flavor comes out, mm-hmm. but it's almost like I, I hate to say it's firmer than tofu. Yeah, I'll say I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see: buckwheat and noodles, granola pancakes, cacao pulp, cacao. <laughs> plant-based seafood and gourmet ramen okay i'm not hearing anything weird as more people go gluten-free chickpeas buckwheat and teff which is an ethiopian grain okay are gaining prominence buckwheat just makes me think of buckwheat on saturday night live once twice three times right <laughs> and interest continues to build in cocktails with and without alcohol actually saw an increase of 48 percent in reviews of mocktails so mocktails yeah, i think gen uh gen z is not really into alcohol yeah 
So I'm not shocked that that's a trend that's going to right. go up in 2024. The popularity of K-pop and K-drama is ratcheting up the interest in Korean cuisine. Yeah, okay. Bulgogi, mm-hmm. Bib- Bibby and Bop, which I can... Yes, yeah, says so good. I love that. And the beloved Korean fried <clears throat> chicken are becoming increasingly popular. Good. Sweetened condensed milk was on several lists of trending ingredients for 2024. <laughs> Sweetened condensed milk. Yes. It's not been around for 200 years. Well, in part because it's used in the sauce for a ferociously popular Korean egg drop breakfast sandwich. Mm. Oh, yeah. That sounds tasty. Let's see. Line between restaurant menus and home cooking is blurring thanks to social media like TikTok. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Have you seen some of those TikTok recipes that are out there? Yeah. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. Some of them are weird. <laughs> Uh, where restaurant dishes become viral sensations. Uh, it's got everyone from baristas to home coffee drinkers putting wild stuff in their coffee, from bananas to salt and protein and obviously mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Will Levis. A yeah. uh, huge percentage of Gen Z consumers are learning about coffee topics on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. That dates back to the pandemic, though. That's not new. Other foods on the ascent include amba, a sauce made from pickled green mangoes, Okay, Scamorza, a soft Italian cheese. Okay, now we're getting to the weird, weird stuff. Gooseberries. Are they like schnozberries? A kind of, maybe. But they don't taste like them. Because the snozberries taste like snozberries. So, yeah, and shisho, an, an Asian aromatic herb. And you know shisho pepper, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, or shishito yeah. pepper. I guess yeah. that's kind of maybe the right, some, somewhere <coughs> yeah, from that. But So there you go, some food trends for 2024. I just want to say about, people give Will Levis a hard time about, like, the mayonnaise and the coffee. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL, so clearly it's not that bad. It got him to the pinnacle of NFL playing. Yeah, I mean, it's also, what is mayonnaise? It's just eggs and oil and fat, right? It's just fat. Guess what your coffee creamer is, folks? Fat. It's fat. Ding, ding, ding. So there you go. But yeah, so there's some some food trends for 2024. Yeah. Um, I'm on board with a few of them. The Korean cuisine I could get down with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, an espresso martini, man. Miss me with that. Ugh. Yeah. Just miss me with a martini in general. It's just not my drink. Like halloumi. Love me some halloumi. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try camel milk. Yeah. I would. I was just laughing at sweet and condensed milk. Right. They're acting like that's a new product. And I just know that that's like stuff that my mother and grandmother and probably great grandmother and great great grandmother all have baked and cooked and with so. well and that's what you well some people would, and you use it a lot in asian sure yeah and stuff too, um but, but there's also a recipe you know uh snow cream is popular when it snows right oh uh, yeah but we used to make our snow cream with just regular milk oh okay because there are people that use sweet and condensed milk for that too i can see that uh-huh. um i don't yeah and that's a question for people how how popular is snow cream i feel like it's pretty <clears throat> popular um, and again, though, I think it depends on what part of the country you're in that gets snow mm-hmm. as to how it's made. Yeah. Because I've noticed that because on some of these face group, Facebook groups that I look at, like some cooking groups and stuff, it depends on what part of the country that they're in or they're from, mm-hmm. as opposed to whether they make it with milk or condensed milk or put vanilla or, you know, there's all these different ways to make it. Yeah. Um. And also, like, I've I've gotten away from it as an adult because I realize, like, first of all, snow is already dirty. And then it's sitting, and we used to get it off of, like, the deck <laughs> or, like, the deck table, like the patio table. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
That is gross. <coughs> How many things have been on the deck? How many times did the dog walk all over the deck and probably birds are on, on the there deck and, and squirrels peeing all over the place? Yes, just like all kinds of like teeming with bacteria. Hey, like, it was good for you. Yeah, I guess. You know what? I have a pretty decent immune system aside from these terrible, terrible allergies. But, you know, thanks it's to fun. snow cream. That's right. Thanks to gross snow and vanilla extract and good old 2% milk. Because as long as it wasn't yellow, I think you were all right. <laughs> yeah, and no one let it mellow on snow cream. No, don't do that. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to see kind of how people have grown up making it, right? Just yeah. as different parts of the country, I think, use different ingredients. Yeah. But yeah, so snow cream. Well, speaking of eating weird things, let's transition into our next segment. Everybody wants to try some food. And this week we're trying food from Egypt. Thanks, Snack Crate, not a sponsor. Um, well, let's let's read a little bit about Egypt here. Um, of course, we got the pyramid on the inside. Yeah, that was my Egyptian music because yeah. you know the whole char- snake charmer yeah. thing. I I don't even know if cobras live in Egypt, but it's it's always. You see it in movies and yeah. like Indiana Jones and television yeah. shows and stuff. I believe it's the asp. Okay, yes, Egypt. yes, it is the asp because that's yeah. what bit Cleopatra and killed her. Oh, there yes. You go. Also, it's just a clue in every single crossword puzzle that's ever <laughs> existed. Re- they don't do it that much in the New York Times, which is the one I've been doing like the past several months. What? But every other crossword puzzle in the history of the world has a clue and the answer is asp asp just if you see one about a snake and it's a three-letter word it's asp every time or what killed cleopatra asp 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 with the p not the The asp bag (laughs) the asp man (laughs) you are the asp man (laughs) according to new york (laughs) the state of new york all right what we got going here in egypt we'll see fun fact about egypt linking northeast africa with the middle east Covered in 90% desert and steeped in ancient history, Egypt's timeless allure draws travelers from across the world to witness her iconic landmarks. Uh, Egypt has a population of 109.3 million people. The capital is Cairo. And um, the area of Egypt is 386,900 square miles. So that's cool. Did you know cats were considered sacred animals by the ancient Egyptians? It is thought that most families kept a cat as a pet, which they believed would bring the house uh, the household good luck. Also, ancient Egyptians believed that makeup had healing powers that protected them from the sun, and therefore both men and women wore makeup. I mean, my makeup has... I was going to say, that makes sense. Just letting y'all know. You I, can get it with I, They were onto something. It was believed that hieroglyphs on the wall of King Tut's tomb had the curse of death. King which... Tut. <laughs> you seen that, Steve Martin? No. Oh, you've never seen that? Oh, that's a classic one. You should check that out. Okay. King Tut. <laughs> which supposedly promised death to anyone who disrupted or disturbed the peace, disturbed the rest of the kings and queens buried in the valley. The 12-month calendar we use today was invented in Egypt. In fact, it is the year 6,264 in the Egyptian calendar. Uh, Unwrapped, the bandages of an ancient Egyptian mummy could stretch for one mile. Yikes. (laughs) That's the third word. Oh, okay. Uh, So what's on the menu? We'll start here with um, raw 
Uh, that's the brand. Yes. Raw kettle cooked potatoes. And this is the sweet chili chips. Then an irresistible fusion of crispy perfection and a mouthwatering sweet chili flavor. The zesty heat of chili, complemented by subtle sweetness, creates a bold and utterly addictive Egyptian favorite. I get some heat, but it mostly just tastes like concentrated tomato, yeah, which I'm not upset about. We finally, after eating like two or three chips, I think we finally agreed that it kind of tasted like tomato soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if most, if it was made with mostly tomato paste. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, yeah. that's not a knock on it. It's just... Mm-mm. So next we've got uh, the Abu Off pretzels. So these are thyme flavored, like the not the construct that we use as humans to, you know. T H Y. Yes, this is the, the herb. The herb. Tom. Crunchy, shiny brown pretzels sprinkled with a flavorful sea salt and dusted with earthy herbal notes of thyme. One handful. Everyone knows the rules. These are good. They are good. And they're mini pretzels. Yes. They're tiny. They're real little. And um, everyone, whether you know it or not, you've had time. You've had it a lot. It's in a lot of Italian seasonings. Um, it's in a lot of like Italian and Middle Eastern cuisines. And this is just a hint. It's yeah. not like overpowering. But it's good. So it is like, I guess earthy is a good way to put mm-hmm. it. But it's not, it doesn't taste like dirt Mm-mm. in that weird earthy way that some things do. And again, I like the fact that it's not punching you in the face, but you're like, oh yeah, that is time. It kind of tastes like if you have been to like a quote unquote, like authentic Italian restaurant and you got like the hard breadsticks, the crunchy breadsticks, kind of tastes like that, which is like oregano yeah. and tommy. Really good. But yeah, they are good. I also yeah. enjoy them. Up next, we're going to go to a little chocolate here we have the marlowe's bar this confectionery masterpiece combines the velvety giftness of nougat with the richness of chocolate a delightful medley of flavors and textures to me this was a cross between a three musketeers and a charleston chew yeah because it's the, like a skinny three musketeers yeah because the, the nougat was harder than a three musketeers yeah. it was soft but it was for me it was like a consistency of a consistency of a charleston chew yeah it was good yeah I hadn't thought about a Charleston Chew in at least 20 years until <laughs> yesterday when I was listening to Never Not Funny and the guest was talking about how her recently ex-husband still comes to her house all the time and leaves Charleston Chew wrappers all over the place. Huh. And I was like, who eats the Charleston Chew still? Weird. So this is two days in a row. This is two days in a row that <laughs> wow. I've heard about Charleston Chew and now I'm going to have to go find them. I used to eat them a lot as a little kid. Like Good. I saw them at my mouth yeah. But yeah, um, I agree with that assessment. Okay, up next we have um, Cocoa Lovers Crispy Bar um, with fruits and nuts. So this is a carry item because the nut is hazelnut here. Uh, rich cocoa infused chocolate studded with dried fruits and crunchy nuts. So what do you think? That's pretty good. Does it have dried fruits and it crunchy does. nuts? It um, does. It's not super chocolatey. It's not super sweet. None of these candies are super sweet. Yeah, um, which is good. Yeah, which I think is what you get out of a lot of international type candy products. Yeah, just not super super sweet. This is actually pretty good. Okay, I like it. If you like it, like a chocolate covered raisin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's go back to something savory real quick. Now, these are Go Nuts peanuts. So this is a symphony of tangy citrus and fiery chili spice dashed and dazzled on crunchy Egyptian peanuts. So, I liked these a lot. Mm-hmm. They were good. It's a chili and lemon uh, flavor. 
So not like spicy, I wouldn't say by any means, but it's definitely got that tang and mm-hmm. that like brightness from the. Lemon. Oh yeah, and the peanuts got this hard outer shell, like a crispy outer shell. Like yeah. I don't think it was fried, but it almost seems like it was fried. But I don't think it was fried. I wonder if they were boiled. Maybe, but it's it's this crispy outer shell. Yeah. So you didn't like when I first pulled one. I was like, or what? blanched or something. Yeah, maybe. I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's got a hard outer shell. Yeah. Fun. It didn't. It's not like the peanuts that you see here where, like, the shell is textured. I mean, it's textured, but not in the same way as, like, a peanut shell that we would think of. No, Like, but, they're Egyptian peanuts, right. which I guess have a smooth outer shell. I don't know. I just thought maybe they took the peanut out of the shell and then fried it, but maybe not. I don't know. Like, when you, like, when you just bite onto, like, the outer part and pull it off, the, like, peanut is solidly lodged in there. Like it was part, like it's all. Yeah, you're right. Could yeah. be either way. They're good. Yeah. Oh, I really like these. These are great. These and the pretzels are up there for me. And then the last food item we have is. Hold on, I might have read this. No, I did read this wrong earlier. I thought it was the Sweepo bar. It's the Sneepo bar. Sneepo. I can't read. Okay. Um, this is the Sneepo caramel bar, mm-hmm. caramel bar. I guess that's how you're supposed to say it. Um, an indulgent fusion of tastes that embodies the essence of Egyptian sweet creativity by combining the luscious creaminess of caramel, the peanut butter chocolate with a delightful chewiness of nougat. So this was like, um, I don't know why I couldn't think of Snickers earlier, but this is basically a Snickers or what I was trying to think of was the Baby Ruth. Yes. This gives me more Baby Ruth vibes it does. than a Snickers. Yeah. If it had more nougat in the chocolate nougat, because this has the white mm-hmm. nougat, which I'm not opposed to because white nougat's in Midnight uh, Milky Way, which might Delicious. possibly be my favorite oh, candy bar. I love that candy bar. I don't bar. know why I said it's mine. It is. Yeah. It is. Anyone out there loves me, you'll get me a midnight Milky Way. I love them too. So Very good. you can also if you get me love one. Us, yes. But no, I was us. I thought all th- so I like this box a lot because they gave us three savories and three sweets. Yeah. I really liked that. Um so I would say going through unless you had something else to read. Well the drink. Oh yeah, I forgot about the drink. My bad. Um yeah, we got a drink. Sorry. So this is the Oasis Peach Apple. Cool off in the desert with a refreshing blend of sweet, juicy peaches and crisp, tangy apples. Perfectly balanced to create a delightful fruit fusion. I liked it. Yeah, I did. I thought there was tamarind in it at first, but we read the bottle, or Sarah read the bottle, um, and there's not. I guess it's just kind of the way that the fruits are infused, that it's got this tanginess to it. It almost tastes like, like it said it was natural flavorings. It almost tastes like... When you get peaches and they're still like, they're not fully ripe, so they're still kind of hard in the yeah. middle. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm getting that yeah. taste. It's good there. though. It's I, a weird way to say it. I don't dislike it. Almost like you're getting the part that the pit was connected mm-hmm. to. Um, yeah, I really like it. It's not, it's sweet, but it's not cloyingly sweet. No, but it's pretty good. And it was super fizzy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's it now. I was just going to say what else was you could get in the box oh, okay. if you wanted to real quick. Yeah. If you got the big box, you would get Lux Cocoa. Um, this is a buttery and crunchy cocoa-flavored biscuit. It's perfect to dunk in your morning coffee or your afternoon tea. Popular classic among Egyptian pharaohs. Uh, then they had the Ta-Ta Biscuit, <clears throat> which is a chocolate biscuit filled with uh, marshmallow. Actually looks good. Um, what's that thing we have here that's like that? Uh, moon, like, moon pie? <laughs> no, not moon pie. Like, 
you see it, you know, I'm talking about the bottom one. Oh. I can't think of what it's called. A mallow, mallow, yeah, mallow cup type yeah, of thing? Something like that. Something like that? It looks like I've a moon pie to me, kind of. Kind of, but it doesn't have the telltale middle um, on the outside. But it's a chocolatey dream you never knew you needed. Still like fully soft cocoa biscuit is filled with a heavenly marshmallow filling and coated in chocolate. There is the Lambada wafer, light and crispy wafers with layers of strawberry yogurt cream, nestled between a pleasant pairing of sweetness and tanginess. Kit Kat Chunky Lotus, an Egyptian twist on the world classic confection, the beloved Kit Kat, bite into wafer flavors uh, with the enchanting flavor of Lotus Biscoff caramelized cookies. Just do it. Their words, not mine. Hatlow Waffle Cones, just looking good. Egyptian favorite, snack-sized dessert packed into artisanal waffle cones, crafted to perfection for a delicate, buttery flavor experience. Covertina Neo Carmelo, um, another candy bar. An indulgent blend of smooth caramel goodness, a delightful combination of velvety caramel flavor and a satisfying chewy texture that melts in your mouth. Uh, and then another Kit Kat, Kit Kat Chunky Cinnabon. Uh, needs no introduction. Kit Kat plus Cinnabon, come on. Crispy wafer covered in milk chocolate filled with Cinnabon cream for a break as special as you. And then there's some other stuff. There's a lot of stuff in here. I'm going to read them all. So Get a, a snack crate. A lot of sweets. Check it out. A lot of sweets. Yep. That we missed out on that I'm not even upset about. Yep. Because I think we got a good... Yes, this was good. So, what is your most to least, I guess? Um, Man, I think... You know me, I'm a sweets person. I think we'll start with the Snazzo. Snaz, Sneeper. Sneepo. Sneepo. Snazzy, it's snazzy. It's snazzy-o. It's snazzy and Sneepo. And we'll start with the Sneepo. Then Go Nuts, Tom Pretzels, Marlowe's, and the Chips. Okay, yeah. we're oh, going the drink. Well, we can well, leave the drink out because yeah. the drink is what it was. Yeah, we like the drink. Yeah, I like the drink. I'm going to go Time Pretzels, Peanuts, this Marlowe's thing, then probably the Sneepo chips, and then this Cocoa Lovers. Oh, yeah. That was probably my least favorite. Yeah. So I'm not missing out on that. No, uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But I really like those pretzels. Yeah, the lot. pretzels are good. Yeah, pretzels are good. I really like the nuts, too. Yeah. So, so good. Overall, good. Good snack box. Good job, Egypt. Thanks, Egypt. Thanks for not sending in an asp. Yes. I'm glad to open this box and all. An asp did not pop out. Wow, there's no way that could have sounded good. <clears throat> um, but uh, listen, if Snack Crate, is, Snack Crate is listening, I if you wanted to sponsor a podcast, an episode with a free giant box, I'd, we'd eat it. I'd be into it. Yep. I'll talk about super it. Super fun. Yep. Uh, you know what else is super fun? It's our Hanky History lesson. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat. Um, I'm having real troubles breathing out of my nose, too, so this is going to be nasally. So, buckle up, America. Here comes a nasally history, <laughs> history. of tofu. Oh, okay. Yes, at um, Rise and Brine, you can, if you're of the vegan persuasion, or at least the vegetarian persuasion, I'm sure they use a ton of butter in those biscuits. Um, but if you're looking for something that's not meat, apparently you can sub the chicken for tofu, which made me think, that'd be a fun history, maybe. So, yeah, that's interesting. <coughs> that goes back a ways. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot like the uh, ramen history, turns out. Hmm. But um, 
still interesting. Sure. So this is um, an article from thedailymail.com, and it's The Ancient History of Tofu by Lauren O'Connor from last March. Um, you can bake it, air fry it, crumble it over salads, slice it thin over eggplant, serve it in chunks for a hot brothy soup. Tofu is one of the most versatile plant proteins around. With its mild flavor, it suits almost any kind of meal. You can substitute it for eggs and fried rice, for example, or you can use it instead of mozzarella in a caprese salad. I wouldn't, but you know, you can. I wouldn't do that either. And I don't, I don't mind tofu, but there's some things that I would not substitute tofu for, right? Yeah, I will say I'm not like the biggest fan, yeah. but maybe I could learn. Um, it is very much a staple of Japanese cuisine, but did you know that tofu has its origins in China? I believe that. I believe it. <laughs> much like ramen. Yeah. It's Japanese, but it's starting in China. Well, you know, way back in the day, a lot of stuff went through China. Yeah, you know? everything went through China sure. before they knew that there was any kind of other part of the world. Right, yeah. You know? For sure. Um, so, over 2,000 years ago, the Chinese were using a food staple they called Daofu. However, its exact origins have been widely debated, to say the least. Um, while there are references in literature to soybeans, soy curd, and even tofu itself, variations on the word began popping up as early as 950 AD. The jury is out on who invented the block of soybean curd that has endured in Asian cultures for centuries. Here, we explore the different theories and how its usage spread to various parts of Asia and eventually the United States. So there's three theories about where tofu comes from. So theory one, it was invented by a Chinese king. In China, it's common for historical figures to get the credit for great achievements, including culinary ones. It's said that Liu An, and I'm going to mess up these names, um, who was the emperor from 179 to 122 BC, a former ruler of the Han Dynasty, Kingdom Hunan. Hunan? I don't know. Hunan. Well, it's spelled a weird Oh, way. I just say, just say Hunan. Hunan. Let's just say Hunan. We're going to... Uh, uh, Hillbilly it up. It's who not. Invented the block of vegetarian protein that we call tofu. Protein. I meant to say protein. I said protein. I like protein. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Protein electric boogaloo. <laughs> there are a couple of other tofu origin stories, but this one is by far the best known. So, who was Luan? In addition to his royal status, Luan was known as a philosopher and a scholar. Legend has it that he first ground soybeans to form a milk to help his ailing mother. This led to his discovery of bean curd and beginnings of tofu. Some say that he invented tofu by accident when some brine got into a soy milk mixture he had concocted for the purposes of alchemy. Luan was well known for his interest in alchemy, magic, and Taoism, which is perhaps why he has been credited with creating tofu. Ancient texts suggest that Luan was obsessed with the idea of immortality and that he began dabbling in alchemy hoping to achieve this. It's been said that tofu is a result of experimentation, the first superfood. <coughs> However, while the health benefits of tofu are well documented, folkloric texts suggest that Luan's tofu did way more than provide him with protective antioxidants and manage his blood sugar. According to the writings of Sun Taya of the Yan Dynasty, Luan actually started becoming younger and eventually grew wings that allowed him to fly to heaven. So, Red Bull? Yeah. <laughs> Vegan Red Bull. Like a vegan tofu stir-fry, the story of Luan is better taken with a pinch of salt. So, obviously, that wouldn't be real. Sure. People don't normally do that, but maybe they did in the B.C. times. Uh, theory number two, inspired by Mongolian cheesemaking techniques. Mm -hmm. 
the next tofu origin story is a lot more believable than the say, one this, involving Luan. This sounds more plausible. Mm-hmm. Some suggest that the ancient Chinese learned the art of milk curdling, which is a process for making tofu, from the Mongolian tribes to the north who were known to make cheese. This theory has some weight to it, seeing as milk culturing, or soy milk in the case of tofu, didn't exist in China prior to the arrival of nomadic Mongolians. Japanese texts suggest that the tribes from Mongolia came to China between the 4th and 7th centuries AD, including the local, or introducing the locals to their cheesemaking techniques. According to this theory, the Chinese then adopted their technology of culturing milk and began processing soybeans to form a similar type of fermented food with the consistency of softened yogurt-like cheese. Tofu is processed by adding a coagulant such as calcium sulfate or mineral-rich nigari, which is unrefined sea salt, to hot, fresh soy milk to make it curdle. The curds formed are then separated and shaped into the tofu blocks we know today. According to Soy Info Center, it's likely that the Chinese began substituting various indigenous mineral salt or acid coagulants for the rennet and bacterial cultures used by Mongolians. So when you make cheese, you put rennet. Right. This sounds way more believable. (laughs) To make everything like separate out. Sure. And then you take the solids to make cheese and you take the liquids to do whatever. Yeah. Um, So you're doing that with soy milk, you get tofu. Sure. And then origin three, or theory three, it was a happy accident. Yeah, that's plausible too, I guess. Did a Chinese chef accidentally create one of the most beloved health foods uh, by fermenting a soybean-derived food by mistake? This final theory on the origins of tofu is based on a chemical reaction that can occur when a natural coagulant is combined with cooked soybeans. It's thought that the ancient Chinese dried out their soybeans and used them in a variety of ways. Mashed into a puree, these dried soybeans can be used to create a porridge-like dish. If a Chinese cook happened to use an unrefined sea salt, which contains nagari, which is the uh, Mm -hmm. natural coagulant, to season their porridge, this would have led to the formation of curds. Hmm. Could this be the real origin of tofu? Perhaps, but there are other ways that tofu could have been invented via a happy mistake. It's also possible that the chef in question simply left their porridge mixer out in the heat for uh, long enough that the lactic acid producing bacteria formed, which could have resulted in curds. If the cook then decided to strain the porridge mixture to help remove the pulp, said curds would greatly resemble what we know today as tofu. Uh, The etymology of tofu. So how did tofu get its name? It's an interesting story that lends more weight to the theory that tofu came about after nomadic Mongol tribes shared their dairy know-how with the neighbors of the south. It's said that the Mongolian name for fermented milk was Rufu, and that's where it all began. In order to write the word in Chinese, the Chinese had to choose two characters which had the sounds of those two syllables, explains Soy Info Center. Fortunately, the character meaning milk was pronounced Ru. To convey the sound Fu, the Chinese selected a character that originally meant spoiled, hmm. which, you know, curdled. Yeah, it makes sense. So. Yeah. The ancient Chinese considered soybeans to be one of the five sacred grains. <coughs> Excuse me. So it may seem odd that they named a byproduct of this grain using a character that means spoiled. But truth be told, people eat plenty of products that have signs of being past their prime. Blue cheese might seem gross in theory. Love it. it. Is. Love it. No, it's gross. No, it's not. Um, but combine it with mushrooms and some pesto, you got a delicious appetizer. No. I would eat all of it. It all comes down to personal taste. Before long, the ancient Chinese had fallen in love with tofu, which had different names in different Chinese languages. In Mandarin, it became known as Daofu. Cantonese speakers, meanwhile, began referring to it as Taofu. You're probably thinking that's where the tofu comes from, but Taofu is pronounced Daofu. I don't know. 
the word tofu is actually Japanese, and it first appeared mm. in literature in 1182. So the spread of the tofu in Asia. So this has all been in China so far. Sure. Now we're spreading out past China. So we know that tofu is a Japanese word, but when did it first arrive there? According to the Japanese tofu or Jap- Japan Tofu Association, Japanese envoys to China during the Nara and Han periods, which were in the seventeen or the seven hundreds and then seven ninety four to eleven eighty five. So you know, a couple of years ago, uh, were likely introduced to tofu during their visits. It became a staple protein source for Buddhist monks in Japan who were strictly vegetarian. Tofu was a luxury for a long time and didn't become widely available until midway through the Edo period, which was 1603 to 1868. Today, there are hundreds of different types of tofu in Japan. Tofu was widely available in Korea, where it got the name Dobu, by the 15th century, though it's thought to have arrived there during the Goreo period, um, the years 1912 through 1392. People began making it at home, and it was often fed to malnourished prisoners after their release from jail. Eating tofu upon its release is still a thing today, although it's largely a symbolic gesture, as prisoners are fed much better than they were at that time. Vietnam also has a long history of tofu, largely due to the fact that it was a Chinese colony from from 111 to BC to 939 AD. The Vietnamese call it daopu or dahu, and it's often combined with meat in dishes as opposed to being used as a meat substitute. So that is a lot different than what you mm-hmm. see like everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> tofu arrived in Indonesia, where it's known as Taho, via spice traders, and it was widely consumed and is also popular in Myanmar, though it's made with chickpea flour and chickpea flour instead of soybeans. Soybeans. Hmm. Um, Thailand and India didn't take to tofu until relatively relatively recently. Well, I forgot how to talk. It became popular in the mid to late 1900s. So. They're so just now finding it. A lot out. later. And then becoming popular in the U.S. I think this is almost done. According to the South China Morning Post, fo- founding father Benjamin Franklin became interested in tofu back in the 1760s. Hmm. Founding father read about it in a book written by a Dominican missionary who had visited China. Despite his interest in this supposedly revolutionary foodstuff, it remained alien to America until around a century later when Asian migrants came to work on the railroads. Both Japanese and Chinese railway workers kept their dietary customs, and thus tofu became commonplace in Asian American communities. The first American company, <coughs> first American tofu company, popped up in the 1870s, but it would be another hundred years or so before the interest of the wider public was piqued. The counterculture movement of the 60s and 70s led to vegetarianism becoming more mainstream. Vietnam War protesters became interested in Vietnamese culture and a greater interest in Asia. Asian spirituality surfaced. Wow, I'm really just biting the dust here. A man named Bill Shirtliff, who discovered tofu while living with a Zen master in a Californian monastery, wrote The Book of Tofu with his Chinese wife, Akiko Aoyagi. Aoyagi. And it changed everything. Released in 1976, the book shed light on the benefits of tofu, including instructions for making it. The couple went on a nationwide tour to sell the book and spread the word. With over 600,000 copies sold, the book's success marked a huge drive in the tofu movement. This sparked non-Asian production of tofu and boosted the success of tofu-producing Asian markets at the same time. Okay, one more section. Types and varieties. 
There are various types of tofu, from the soft, silken type to firm and extra firm kinds. Silken tofu is derived from the Japanese method of molding the tofu into silk linens. It is neither drained nor pressed, and it is smooth. As such, it contains the highest water content of all tofu varieties and ideal for making custards or puddings. Firm tofu, on the other hand, is pressed to a solid compactness that won't crumble. It's common and versatile for various methods of cooking, from stir-frying to baking. Extra firm tofu is even denser and won't absorb much flavor, but holds up even better in various methods of heating. In addition to texture types, tofu also comes sprouted, flavored, and in not-so-common variety known as kori tofu. Sprouted tofu is the easiest to digest and has more nutrients than typical tofu varieties with a high percentage of protein, calcium, and vitamin D. When soybeans have been left to sprout, starches and phytates are broken down, making new nutrients more bioavailable. Flavored tofu includes a smoked, seasoned, and fried, and generally means less time in the kitchen. Lastly, kori tofu is cured and dried out in low temperatures to preserve it. It's a frozen product, making it a convenient option for soups and steams. So that's a shortish history on tofu. The Tofu Info Center, or whatever that it kept referring to, I looked that up. It's several chapters long. Or several I believe pages it. Long. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was way too long to read there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big history. I mean, it goes back, you know, ancient, ancient yeah. China. It gets a bad rap, though, because of hippies. It really does. Yeah. Now, personally, I mean, I'll eat it. I don't hate it like some people do. I think it can be like you can use it as a meat substitute. Obviously, it does absorb flavor fairly decently. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to drain it very well. You got to get the water out of it. But I will say, you know, to use it, you use it as an add-on. I, I don't know. There's, it's it's pretty. It's a pretty versatile thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would solely eat it, right. but you know, I just have a bad association with. I don't want to say bad. I have an annoying association with it, just because when I was in college, we had a roommate mm-hmm. who was vegetarian. And seemingly the only thing she would eat was tofu just doused in Worcestershire sauce. Gross. Yes. Thank you. That's disgusting. Yeah. And my bedroom was next to the kitchen and it constantly smelled like Worcestershire sauce. And I love Worcestershire sauce, but that would have yeah. run, run both of it, those, both those yeah. things for me. It smelled yeah. Rank. And then, um, yeah, she was not good about cleaning it up and honestly not a good roommate, but maybe, you know, we've all grown. Sure. Maybe she's better now. Yeah. But... I mean, I guess I would try it. I mean... If someone made it for me, I'm not making it at home. That, we get it... I, you know, I'll put it in our Blue Apron box every once in a while if it's offered. Because it really isn't bad. It's just something different. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's just something different. If you're looking to not eat meat. Yeah, every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, so that's interesting history, though. Yeah. I think that the second and third theories are probably the most plausible. Oh, you don't believe in the... I don't know. The alchemist... No. Uh, uh, I'm ruler say, that grew wings and flipped them. I'm, I'm going to say no. And aged backwards like Benjamin Button. <laughs> I'm going to say no on that Benjamin one. Benjamin Button. Never... <laughs> that was a good history, though. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks to Rise and Brian for inspiring that, for yeah. having tofu on your menu. Yes. And I would, you know what? If we go back there again, <laughs> I would try their tofu. Yes, Carrie. I, I said, will... huh, I wish I knew they had tofu before. I'd have eaten it. Yeah, I would have gotten it. I would have gotten it on, <laughs> instead of getting the unborn bird on the dead chicken, I would have got the tofu <laughs> on the, the tofu on put, the chicken. Put the tofu on the chicken. <laughs> I mean, that's how they'd be doing it in Vietnam. Yeah. Was it Vietnam that was doing yeah. it uh-huh. with the meat? It was using it in conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's literally the only place in the world, apparently, where they don't use it as a vegetarian item. So, interesting. So, next time we go back to Rise and Brian, I will get it. I yep. you were going to say, the next time we go to Vietnam. Hey. Hey, my cousin's going to Vietnam really? next month. So, cool. Or at the end of this month. So, I'm going to I'm gonna ask him if he'll eat some yeah. tofu with or me. Or bring like. some snacky snacks back. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we had a lot of snacky snacks here today, and they were good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, Egypt snacks. Uh, yeah, Vietnam solid. snacks would be good, too. Maybe Snack Crate has a Vietnam box. I'm sure they do. And maybe we'll find out in the future. Yep. There you um, go. But we're going to find out about, you know, what happens after we do this podcast, because it's now over. But um, before <laughs> <laughs> before we leave, we'll talk about what we're drinking that's not Oasis, Peach and Apple. Um, I have some nostalgia from my high school days a jones soda but this is a special release uh this is the orange chocolate soda so um, it has a smell yeah it smelled like chocolate Mm -hmm. for sure it tastes like do you ever have like the flavored chapsticks yeah Uh they had like a chocolate Uh it tastes like there's chocolate flavored chapstick in this orange soda weird yeah Hmm. Yeah, it, I can taste the chocolate wax. Ooh. Well, yeah. it's I, not bad, but it's not good. I commented on the the picture on the bottle too. There's a kid on the bottle, right? And there's yeah. like chocolate dripping down on his head, kind of. But it, it honestly, if when Sarah just turns it real fast, it looks like the Pet Cemetery poster. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, this was sent in by Amy. Hainleger from Cameron, North Carolina. Okay, well. Yeah, you can like have, like you can submit pictures mm. to put on the Jones labels. They'll put random okay. people's pictures on here. Fun. So that's what that is. But, um, so not from a movie, but I could see where you would think that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's not terrible, but if you like artificial chocolate flavor and orange soda, yep. check it out. There I got go. it at Kroger. All right. I'm trying to channel the tropics right now because anything's better than this. What I, I, I just. <laughs> I need to think warm, so I'm drinking <laughs> some tangerine mango uh, fizzy water. Walmart fizzy water. It's good. Okay. It's tangerine-y. It's mango it's, it's fizzy. Trying to channel that, that inner island. Well, <sighs> good luck with you. Yeah, Tell right. You for that, because you, you said it, not me. We're getting three to six oranges. Of yeah, well, as soon as we're done here, I have to go and take the garbage out and get the mail, so I have to go outside. And your driveway's clear. It so. is, because I cleared it. Yeah. <laughs> the road is clear, too. Yeah. Just don't walk on the grass. Uh, and you, listener, also don't walk on the grass and listen to this podcast instead. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to segue out of that. It didn't work. Sometimes it's really hard. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you force it. Yeah. We force it. It never works. No. That's what Just she let said. it go. Um. Anyway, if you want to follow us online, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram at Hungry and KY. Uh, you're feeling chatty, you can send me an email, uh, hungryandky@gmail.com. Please stop spamming me, whoever's sending me bogus receipts from Norton. Um, my Antivirus? I don't have Norton Antivirus. Leave me alone. I've started getting bogus DMs on uh, the GBS Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so stop doing that if you're a bot. Stop. Send, real people can send me emails. Uh, hungryandkentucky@gmail.com. Uh, we have a blog at Bluegrass Bourbon Eats, um, wherever, you know, you like to follow things online. And then uh, bbneats.com for some old stuff. And then you can hear this show 
every other Wednesday where it is that you find your podcasts. And then where do we find you at, Carrie? On Twix at JRLS for Sports. On Facebook, on Instagram. We are everywhere. Good podcasts are free. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to Hungry in Kentucky. And as always, stay hungry, Kentucky. Hungry in Kentucky.